Hi there, you're listening to the Practical Stoic Podcast with your host, me, Simon Drew. If you'd like to listen to over 200 episodes that were recorded before 2020, then you can head to my Patreon site. It's patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. We'd love to have you there and any support is greatly appreciated. We'd love to also have you on our Facebook community, The Practical Stoic Mastermind. But for now, enjoy the show. Hi there, my name's Simon Drew and welcome to The Practical Stoic Podcast. And for today's episode, you're in for a treat because I have one of the powerhouse teachers of YouTube with us, uh, somebody who is out there teaching so many people about the power of philosophy and especially about the power of stoicism as well. And uh, many of you will know him from his YouTube videos. His name is Gregory B. Sadler. Now, before we start the episode, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Greg, uh, and I'm going to read something here because I don't want to get anything wrong. This guy's amazing. Uh, So he's actually a practical philosopher who offers consulting, coaching, and speaking through his company, Reason.io. He's also the editor of Stoicism Today, co-host of the radio show Wisdom for Life, and the producer of the Half Hour Hegel series. Uh, His popular YouTube channel has over 1,500 videos on philosophy, and he's also approaching 80,000 subscribers, which is absolutely insane. Uh, So he's also recently started the Sadler's Lectures, sorry, Sadler's Lectures podcast, which many of you will be excited about. And he also teaches at the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design, uh, the Marquette University, and also Carthage College. So He is actively involved in so many things right now. He must be incredibly busy, which is why I'm so, so grateful to have him on the show. Uh, So, Greg, thank you so much for being on the show. And everybody, you can find the links to Reason.io, to Greg's YouTube channel, his blog, uh, his podcast in the show notes below. So make sure you head over there, show Greg some love, show him some support and start listening to his stuff because he's uh, he really knows what he's talking about, which is why. I offered for him to come on the show and discuss a little bit more in depth about the core principles and values of Stoicism, the things that the Stoics from ancient Greece and ancient Rome really taught us. So we've got some great content for you here, some great conversation with Greg. And without any further ado, I present to you Gregory Sadler. All right, so here we are with Gregory Sadler. Now, Greg, you need no introduction, right? Uh, and I will already have done that before the show anyway. You, you know, everybody in Stoicism knows you, and um, you're actually one of those people who, uh, even when I speak to, say, my clients, who I kind of give, you know, somewhat Stoic mentoring to, you know, they they essentially say, you know, yeah, Gregory Sadler, you know, l- listening to you on YouTube, and, and you're kind of a hero to a lot of people, um, and... And I think one of the reasons is because you really like to delve deep into into what all of the principles of Stoicism mean, and and also just because of your you know your your, your past and your history with with philosophy and your genuine desire to share with people how it can be helpful in their lives and and, and a very practical approach. So um, you are a hero to a lot of people in in the Stoic community. So I'm really glad that you're here. Um, and when I reached out to you, I essentially said, look, I want to learn from you. What are the core principles of Stoicism? How can they be helpful in our lives? And so uh, that's, that's what I want to talk about today. I don't have specific questions. I just, want to, I just want to have a conversation with you about what you've learned from Stoicism and what it can teach us. So, um, okay. yeah, I'll, I'll let you kick off the conversation where you would like to start. 
Well, I'll, I'll say that if people think that I'm a hero, it's because they, they don't know me particularly well. <laughs> like, That's like a very a stoic of, uh, response. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like a lot of people, the, the closer you get, the more you get to see somebody in their you know daily interactions, mm. the more the shine wears off. So, of course, of course. You know. But yeah, um, yeah I, th- I think you're right that you could say that about, about quite a few people. Mm. Um, and so, I, I, you know, when I was thinking about this, there's a number of different, um, let's call them core principles and, and then practices. Mm. And it's not a short list. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people, you see, you see this in blogs and, and videos. There's people who are like, well, there's three things to stoicism or there's five things to stoicism. Yeah. And it's really, you know, if we go by the people who, who originally um, talk about it, like say Seneca, um, Seneca in one of his letters actually says that, look, Stoicism is this complex system mm. and you're asking, he's talking to Lucilius, this, this friend of his, who's essentially asking him for sound bites. Mm-hmm. And Lucilius, he says, listen, I can't give you any of that because and he, here he says something that's a little bit far-fetched. He says, it, you know, Stoic writings are so filled with so many great ideas that I can't single any of them out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which... Uh, you know, some Stoic texts are, are pretty good that way. Maybe maybe not all the time, including mm. Seneca himself. But there is something to that, this this notion that it's it's like a, a fabric or a network or, if you like, a different um, metaphor, a constellation, mm. right? Um, if, you, if you're looking at, at the Big Dipper, if you only saw three of the stars, you couldn't really identify it as the, the constellation that it is. Mm. And it's... I don't say this in order to make anybody feel bad, you know, or, or worried or anything. Like, oh, now I don't understand what stoicism is because I don't know 20 different things. It's it's more to say um, there's always a lot more to, to study. And the, the classic place to go is, of course, the texts of um, mm. the big three, Seneca, um, Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius and then you know as one goes on you also want to dig into the the other people that we were fortunate to have like mm. Cicero who's not a stoic himself but knows an awful lot about stoicism or uh, Arius Didymus uh, who gave us an epitome of stoic ethics mm. so all, all of these things are are important and then you know there there are modern stoics who I think are particularly helpful um in, in laying this kind of stuff out. Some of them mm. are quite difficult to read, like, um, you know, Becker's A New Stoicism. I don't know if you've ever tried to crack You, you know what? I, I haven't actually read that yet, but I've booked him on for the show. So I'm very excited to, to well, have a conversation with him. Becker, I, I, don't, I think we might be talking about somebody different. Oh, we're talking about Becker something different. Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay, I'm talking about something completely no, no, was... different. A New Stoicism, who am I thinking of then? Okay, so think of someone completely different then. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Becker wrote this really, really great book, but it's incredibly dense. <laughs> so yeah, okay. It, yep. I, worked, I worked through it with a client, and it took us about four months of weekly meetings to get through the, the entire thing. But it's, yeah, you wow. know, it's, it's, worth, it's worth looking into. And then there's much more accessible authors, like you mentioned. You know, we are talking before the show, like Massimo, um, his... Uh, uh, how to be a stoic really good mm, book yeah. i think you know it puts puts the reader in conversation with epictetus drawing mm. on on bits and pieces of that um so it, all of this is just preamble to saying there's there's quite a few different 
um, principles and practices. And as you put them together, you, you get more out of them. They, mm. they don't, they don't uh, provide you with everything on their own. Yeah. And so so the more that you're doing, the other thing I would say, too, is stoicism, like any philosophy of life, there's there's the theoretical side to it where you're, you know, or, or cognitive where you're learning something. And then there's the practical side where you're actually doing something. And the, mm. and the more that you practice, the more you, you see w- what these guys are actually talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I shouldn't say guys because there's there's some plenty of really great uh, women uh, authors on on stoicism in recent times as well, like Margaret mm. Graver, you know, uh, prime example who we we had at Stoicon several years ago, especially mm. on on emotions, but on a number of other things, Julia Annas, and and quite a few mm. others. So let's should we just jump into yeah, and I just want to mention one thing. I mean, you, right at the start there, you confirmed something that I was thinking about yesterday. And as I was preparing for this interview, I was kind of thinking, okay, well, what are the core principles of Stoicism? And then, you know, if it, it, and it, you know, even myself, I like to kind of, you know, I'll, I'll just quickly Google, okay, core principles of Stoicism, right? Let's yeah. take a look at what everybody else says, right? And, you know, some people have a list of 10, some people have a list of three, some people have a list of 20. And, yeah. and you perfectly described it at the start. It's like there's the core principles, but then there's also the core practices, but they yeah. all kind of intermingle. Um, and that's what I was thinking last night. I was like, wait, are there even any like core principles or is it just a bunch of tools and tactics like Tim Ferriss would describe to help us to, you know, like have a little bit of a more of effective life? Yeah, um, there and, are. And, there are definitely yeah. principles. And, yeah, and I, so, I think that the I think that the approach that tries to reduce it just to the practical is is fundamentally mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Um, So maybe we could start with the core principles then. Yeah. I I want to say this too, that, that, that realization is not something new. The ancient Mm. Stoics knew about that as well. Mm. So you, like you see Epictetus, uh, there's a guy in his his class who doesn't want to study logic, uh, you know, theory of argumentation, and he says, well, "Okay, whatever you want to do, buddy, and uh, let's just stick with the practical stuff." Mm. Now, somebody comes to you and says, "You should do this or that." How are you going to know whether they're, you know, he doesn't say this, but he's something close to it. How do you know that they're not full of crap? Mm. You know, yeah. you don't have the techniques to to be able to to analyze what they're they're saying. So the 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 cognitive side is is really important. So could you say um, I, I, that that's more of a a a practice in because uh, I've often ah, thought yeah, you're that, onto something there yeah I, I've, I've often I've often thought that stoicism is not necessarily just a it's essentially a way of thinking right so yes, that, yeah, that's it, part of it, it teaches us how to think and then through teaching us how to think we naturally come to the conclusions that a lot of the stoics came to which is, you know, control the things that you can't yeah. control, forget about it. You know, like there's a very lot, and that's why it stands out to people as something that is very natural. Like a lot of people say of stoicism that, well, it just made sense to me. You know, it's because it's well, very part, logically part, based. They, they say that until they, they read more of the texts. <laughs> like, what the hell is this crap over here? Yeah, and then, and yeah. then you go, it's sort of like your learning goes through plateaus, right? Yeah. So you yeah. start out as a beginner and there's some things you resonate with. Like, for, for example, me, right? Um, as, as a young guy, I read Aurel, Aurelius and Epictetus. And I was not into 
um, all the discussions of prudence and justice. I like the stuff about being tough, you know, mm-hmm. and not letting the world get to you. And that's yeah. that's part of Stoicism, but it's only like this much. Mm. And, you know, as, as the Stoics say, when, when you take courage or fortitude away from justice and prudence, it ceases to be courage. Mm. So, you know, you learn a bit and then you got to sit with that for a while and that becomes natural to you. And then you read some more stuff and you're like, whoa, what is this crap? You know, mm. there's, there's a good reason they call it stoic paradoxes yeah. because they, they went against our, our typical ways of looking at things. And then you use what you've got as a basis to understand the other stuff and you stretch. It's like, it's like learning a new language or, um, you know, learning new exercises. You don't, you're not doing something radically different that you've never, ever done before. Mm. But you, you, you do learn something new. And, and going back to something that you were saying, thinking is a practice. Mm. So thinking about stuff, we, we often like, we, we sunder, well, there's the theoretical and then there's the practical. I want to be a doer, not, not I don't want to have to learn all this stuff. Learning mm. is, 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 is practical. Yeah. And the Stoics thought that as rational creatures, we ought to want to learn. Mm. And, you know, I, I think this is something that, we're still not into discussing like principles and practices, but this this might be a useful practice for some people. When you're um, tempted to say, oh, I don't need to learn all this other stuff. You know, I just want to do what's what's going to work for me in this situation. From a stoic point of view, that would be a sign that there's something going wrong. Mm. Mm. So, you know, Seneca, Epictetus, wh- whoever we're going to think about, they would say, well, you know, that's fine for, for a moment, but if you actually want to, to, to realize your human nature, um, why would you reject uh, the, the tools and, and ideas that, that other people worked out for you and, and are readily available? And if you think about it in our own time when we're so incredibly lucky mm. to have access through the Internet to all this, all this great, you know, stoic literature – Mm. Uh, and, and, and interpretations. You know, I think about the fact that this podcast exists, right? Yeah. yeah. So 30 years ago, uh, this would have to be like on, you know, CDs or tapes or something exactly. like that. Yeah. And people would, would listen to them in their car or, or you know, yeah. on their, their massive Walkman. So, mm. so we're, you know, we, we want to be, how do I put it? We want to, you know, sort of exhibit gratitude about the the stoic teachers that we, we, we do have out there. Mm. And again, you know, the big three are, are always got to be the center point for that. But let's, you know, let's, not, a, not oh, only that's a, like, I, I really resonate with what you're saying about like, just the fact that we are able to listen to stuff like this, like interviews with yourself. But, but not only that, I was mentioning to my wife the other day, it's seriously one of the craziest. I can't even imagine how grateful I should be that I can go to YouTube right now <laughs> And look up any of the world's foremost intellectuals or scientists oh, or yeah, neurobiologists, yeah. anyone. I can look up anyone and most likely there's a talk that they've given or some like a, an audio book or anything from them yeah. where they're teaching the principles that they've learned. And I mean, I couldn't even imagine how excited like somebody like Seneca or Epictetus or, or anyone back then would be to know that, oh my gosh, look at all this information that we now have and that we can just literally at our fingertips just listen to it and, and absorb it. And, and, and that's one thing I really want to encourage people to do as well with Stoicism. It's like, 
you know, I would love to have like neurobiologists on this show and talk to them about like, oh, how does the stoic interpretation of how we make decisions align with what mm-hmm. you know now? And, you know, things like that. It's like yeah. there's so much opportunity for us to not only learn from the stoics, but to also uh, take those stoic teachings and put them in a modern context and align them with what we now know and make it even easier for us to essentially... Yeah live by those principles or to think through them, if that makes sense. And, that, and that's that's actually something that's in consonance with, let's call it the spirit of Stoicism. Mm. Um, Epictetus or Seneca wouldn't, you know, they, they were innovators in their own right. I, I, you mm. know, Epictetus brings in this essentially Aristotelian concept that he transforms, which in Greek is called proeresis, mm. um, which we translate as, um, you know, a faculty of, of choice or will mm. or moral purpose. And that that plays a really central role in, in Stoic philosophy, particularly, mm. um, you know, as, as, as it goes through the Middle Ages and early modern period, they, they, they realized that that was something central to it. Um, that was innovation. Seneca himself mm. is is an innovator, and they're not they're not content to just ta- say, well, you know, Zeno through Chrysippus, they figured everything out. We don't have to like solve any new issues yeah. of yeah. our own. We we often think about like the ancient world as like this monolith where things were more or less the same for you know several hundred years, but they they weren't. They were a constantly yeah. changing flux of culture and new problems. And so to do that today is is really to be aligned with the spirit of of past stoicism, mm. I would say. You know, Definitely. trying to find yeah. new applications and uh, new media, right? Um, mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's so many yeah. there's so many opportunities to learn and to share these days, and and we're just so lucky, and and I would say too lucky to miss that opportunity, is what I'd say. Yeah. But that's, um, that's a good way to put it. Now, okay, so Greg, let's get back to the facts, right? Okay, so we've we've had a big uh, preamble here, but um, you mentioned living in accordance with nature, so I'm going to jump onto that one because that's one that I have... One of the main reasons why I wanted to restart the podcast is because I think that there are a few topics that I really didn't delve into like I should have because it was too complicated for me to think about at the time. And when you're trying to come up with an episode, you don't necessarily think about the things that are too complicated for you to do. You think about, you know, what can I put out today? And one of those topics was living in accordance with nature and I'm only just starting to grasp it. But that's one of the core principles of stoicism, right? Like... Yeah, it, although it's it's as a core principle, it's more of like a slogan than anything mm, okay. else, right? So yep. you, you really have to do a lot of unpacking yeah. of it. Because there's many interpretations, what, right? There's many different avenues yeah. that could go down. And and it's interesting. In the history of Stoicism, that idea went through a kind of transformation and, and uh, getting more and more complicated as it went. Mm. So Zeno has this idea of in accordance with nature, which is not radically new. I mean, the Aristotelians, mm. the Platonists had that idea, the Epicureans, they just have different conceptions of nature. Mm. And then Zeno talks about, you know, like being in accordance with nature or living in accordance with nature. And his his immediate successors, um, Cleanthes and, and Chrysippus, they expand on the concept. And so, mm. you know, Cleanthes, according to the people that we, we have that talk about them, because we don't have any of their original writings, mm. um, Cleanthes thought it meant like living in accordance with the universe as such. So, like, mm. you know, if I cross the street and... 
uh, a car drives and hits the puddle and the puddle splashes on me, I shouldn't get all ticked off because mm -hmm. it's just physical laws, you know. Mm. Um, I shouldn't expect my, my body to live forever because that's not the, the nature of body. So, so there's that part. And then Chrysippus said, well, it's also distinctively human nature. Mm. We, we're not the same kind of beings as, you know, say a piece of technology or uh, a non-rational animal. We're not gods, of course, um, mm. whatever the gods happen to be for Stoicism. That's kind of a murky topic. Um, mm -hmm. The place to go for that is, is Cicero's On the Nature of the Gods. But, um, you know, there there is a distinctively human nature that most of us, myself included, don't fully realize. And so, you know, we know that it includes certain things like rationality or the capacity to develop the virtues or... Mm. Uh, Aristotle pointed this out, logos, the, the capacity to communicate with each other about moral values, being able to recognize moral values that go beyond just pleasure and pain, things like the just and the unjust or the noble and the, the, mm. the foul or, or base. Um, all of that is, is part of who we are, and we, we get it by being the kind of creatures that we are. You might say it's in our DNA if we want to talk in mm. contemporary terms, but it's also in the social framework that we're in of, of culture mm. and it it's not something that's like an on off switch it's not like you turn 12 and suddenly you're rational <laughs> it's, yeah it's something that has to be be developed over time and we see mm. that it's a practice like they teach us you know the stoics really yeah. put an emphasis on that right like you you practice rationality and yeah and, and you might think about it as you use the bit of rationality that you've got yeah to increase the amount of rationality that you've got because most of the time you're probably irrational you know, mm, like everybody yeah. else around you and the same thing with freedom right you use the little bit mm. of the sliver of freedom that you have to be a little bit more free by changing your habits and changing your incorrect viewpoints on things but you're, you're not like totally free all the time to do anything yeah. whatsoever you're still you're still this this bundle of habits and impressions and and reasoning processes many of which you're not even aware of much of the time until you mm. analyze them so to, to to live in accordance with nature is something kind of complicated um some people in, in modern stoicism have said well it just means living rationally but then you got to be able to say well what's living rationally right mm. yeah. um the ancient Stoics said that you could you could understand it as living in accordance with the virtues, but that too you have to um, you know to, to truly understand what wisdom is, or temperance. There's got to be some practice going on. So mm. there's you know there's a lot to the concept. So much that I'm actually working on a on a short book on on it because the Stoics say so many things about it, mm. and and some of the things that they say I think we probably want to reject like like so musonius rufus epictetus's teacher thinks that being a farmer as a profession is mm -hmm. more in accordance with nature than any of the other professions yeah i don't i don't know about that yeah you know? well it kind of goes down um, the line of saying like well a stoic is this and a stoic is that as opposed yeah. to uh, a stoic can be whatever as long as he uses or he or she uses these principles to kind of to kind of think and 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 live by right yeah, I mean, there's there's some things that are based in, you could say, in the, the kinds of bodies that we have. Mm. And Stoics are materialists, so they they think that we are, in fact, our bodies. They they talk in terms of the soul, but the soul is something that's that's essentially coming 
out of the body, and we could say the mind if if you want, mm. um, which which they you know I don't think they'd have a problem. They they thought that it was actually like in the heart, but they had a you know a lot of people in ancient times thought that. Now now we mm. know the brain is yeah. really important in things. Um, so you know what's what's in accordance with the kind of creature that we are. Um, That's the question that, that I'm trying to figure out. It's like, yeah. what what is a human and what does a human do? Seems to be the the questions that you ask in order to answer the question: How do I live in accordance with nature? Right? Yeah, and you can add another uh, word to it. Mm. Like, if you're saying what what is a truly human response to something? Yeah, yeah. Right? Because a lot and of people and potentially use what, the, what what is a virtuous human response? Cause, like, yeah, yeah. Because virtue in the people, ancient sense you, was was essentially like you're good at doing what you're supposed to do, right? Like, so a knife is virtuous if it if it cuts well or something like that. Well, yeah, it's like that's that's virtue for a knife. Yeah, for a human being, it's more complex. It's, of course, yeah. It, <laughs> it's it, I mean, it's something that's rooted in in our habits. Uh, the knife doesn't have the opportunity to develop habits. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't even think that the Stoics would say that an animal has has virtue. Although I, 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 this is a bit of a side note. We could talk about this much more some other time. Mm-hmm. I think the Stoics, like most ancient philosophers, made too rigid of a, a split between animals and, and human beings, mm-hmm. and they, they, um, you know, at least some animals seem to have. Some of the traits of rationality that we we associate with human beings, problem yeah. solving, uh, communicating about about uh, um, planning or, or things like that, and animals respond to each other in much more flexible ways than just you know sort of a fixed set of instincts that they would, mm. they would yeah. have. So, but that let, let's put that aside for for the moment. Mm. Uh, as, as an interesting topic to, to explore. <laughs> yeah, I'm always happy to talk about that in the future because it is yeah. really interesting how how we are learning so much more about the way that animals and even plants communicate. And yeah. it's becoming all too difficult to separate ourselves from the biological, you know, makeup of the entire universe or the entire world, you know, as as participants, you know, at, at, alongside animals. It, you know, it's, it's very, very... Strange topics, yeah, and, but... and the Stoics are sort of typical ancient Greek Roman thinkers in that they they they'll say things like, "Well, non-rational animals exist for the rational animals. We can do whatever the hell we want with yeah. them, so long as we're not being, you know, not not destroying ourselves in the yeah, process." Yeah, but yeah. I think if they were around today, they probably would look at at things differently, knowing what we now know about animal behavior, mm. um, in significant part because of the internet, you know, because yeah. of videos. Yeah. Seeing all this amazing footage. Um, but go, so exactly. going back to living in accordance with nature. Yeah. So what does a human do? Well, developing virtue is central to it. The, another phrase that the Stoics use, and you see this a lot in Epictetus is using or responding to impressions in accordance with nature. Mm. So in, that that's another key idea. This this notion of impressions, or sometimes they're they're translated in other ways. The Greek word is phantasiai, mm. and it's a word that we get fantasy from. Um, so an impression is literally anything that presents itself to you, something that you think, something that you feel. Epictetus will actually say, and he's probably just reflecting sort of standard Stoic ideas here, that reason itself is a system, and he uses that word systema. Of 
appearances. Impressions and appearances, those are two main ways of translating it. Another way that the Greeks um, used the word is to signify the imagination. And, mm. you know, a lot of what we do is, is, I mean, you know this, when we see things, most of the time we're not actually taking in everything that, that the visual field is presenting to us. Yeah. And sometimes we see things that aren't actually there yeah. because we imagine them there. And we do the same thing with what we hear and what we what we smell and, and the sense that we bring to it. So, you know, if I show up late and you're you're prone to, I don't know, being kind of uh, uh, irritated with people who are late, you know, you, mm. you could have the impression that I'm being a jerk to you, you know, yeah. that I, yeah. I wanted to delay the podcast or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so how do we deal with all of these these things that are like all this information that's constantly flowing in at us? Most of which is probably incorrect. You know? mm, yeah. <laughs> a, lot, yeah. a lot of which is, is the result of our own projections or people telling us something is, is the case. Mm. So that's, that's central to Stoicism as well, this notion of impression. Yeah. Don't and, believe and everything was, you see or hear or, you know. It's, yeah, it's, you know. Yeah. So, so there's that, that need to test it as they say, mm. right? You test out your impressions and you, and you have to deal with them properly. And one of the most important ways of responding to them is by um, taking a pause, just yeah. saying, you're an impression. I don't know if you're true or false. I'm going to like, just, you know, think about this for a second before, instead of just responding the mm. way we typically do. Yeah. Um, no, there's there's probably some situations in which that would not be a good idea. Imagine mm -hmm. if you were like uh, playing a ball game with with some people. Um, you you probably shouldn't think at every single moment is yeah. is this really a ball coming towards me yeah. that I need to catch? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, whatever whatever game it happens to be, maybe you're tackling people, maybe you're you know, throwing it or something like that. There's a lot of situations in which it's okay to take things for granted. But the Stoics would say that when it comes to the things that tend to get us into trouble and make us unhappy, hmm. then we we want to we want to develop this practice. So here's a case where like practice and theory go together, right? There's a theory of why you should take a pause. And then mm. there's the practice of actually doing it. I mean, you, yeah. you you probably know as much as I do how hard it is to actually put that into practice when, say, you're mm. angry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, or hungry. Yeah. Uh, as another example. Or well, I, um, pressed for time. Yeah. You know? No, I, I, th I think the, um, the metaphor of the, the ball game is actually something to, to look at. I think that's really important because it, it's like – if you threw a football at me, I'm yeah. telling you, I'm not going to catch it right. And I can't throw it properly either. I just can't. Right. I just, it's, it's, it's not a skill that I have naturally. Right. But, and not that, not that a lot of people have it naturally, but, but what yeah. I could do is practice it just in the same way that we practice rationality. And over time, the, uh, the, I say, I guess the chaotic part of my mind that has no idea what to do with that ball will soon become a naturally naturally responding yeah, yeah. part of my mind where I catch it perfectly, right? Just in the way that you see people practice music or practice anything. And I feel like it's the same with our rationality. It's like, at first, you're pretty damn clumsy. 
and you have mm-hmm. no idea how to interpret things correctly or how to live in this world without just descending into chaos at everyone's comments or, you know, you look at your Twitter and all of a sudden you're in a rage, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but over time you negotiate with your rationality and you say, well, maybe I don't trust that part of you, but I'll take that bit. And then over time you slowly take the chaotic part of your mind and turn it into order essentially through the process of practicing not believing what you at first see if that makes yeah, sense that that is actually a good way of describing it and it fits in well with something that epictetus keeps keeps talking about seneca mm. talks about this but maybe to a lesser extent um epictetus uses this word in greek mache which which um, means conflict or battle or stuff like that, but but it gets translated in Stoic texts as contradiction because mm. it was used in a kind of formal sense. And all of us are, you know, we get ourselves into trouble because we, we think that we're largely not a mess of contradictions mm. and that most of the people around us aren't as well. We're, we're all walking contradictions, just mm. bundles of stuff that doesn't actually work together and we shift from one to the other. So, you know, at this moment I love you and the next moment I hate you mm. and somehow both of those coexist at the same time. And Epictetus figures the stoic life as a way of progressively having less and less of those contradictions mm, yep. he, he doesn't actually promise us that we won't have any yeah <laughs> you know? yeah oh it's impossible uh, but, yeah but 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 having fewer of them and having less damaging ones you know like so uh, here's here's an example right um <clears throat> I, I i wrote uh, a piece a while back about being a green bay packers fan and practicing stoicism at the same time and mm. some people are like well any sort of fandom is inherently going to be out of sync with stoicism mm-hmm. and I, I think i provided a, an argument for how you could in fact be a sports fan in in a way that was at least consonant with stoicism mm. for the most part but there's still going to be cases where so the, the packers got eliminated from you know the 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 um Super Bowl contention recently, and it'll be the 49ers playing instead because they, <laughs> they got as far as, as that, and then the 49ers just beat the crap out of them. Uh-huh. And and the Packers played okay, but the 49ers played much better. And, um, you know, in the past, like, there were other times when the Packers got eliminated and it was due to a bad call by the referees, and then I would get mm. very angry. You know, I hated the Seahawks for a long time because of that. Mm-hmm. That that's not really that that's not compatible with with stoicism because mm-hmm. should these sporting events really matter? Um, no, they, they they should they should be seen as as sort of like Epictetus says: you go to a festival, have a good time, and then you you're done, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's not something that you should be emotionally invested in. in that's in it. A, a lasting way, right? Yeah. Um, now. That's but but being invested in being a Packers fan, which I'll probably always throughout mm. my life, that's much less of a problem, much less of a contradiction than say wanting to go beat people up, you know, because exactly. they yeah. take my parking spot, right? So yeah. there, you can talk about like almost like a hierarchy of yeah. how how screwed up are you? How many how how bad are your contradictions? Mm. Um, yeah. And, and freeing ourselves of them is, is a, a lifelong process. And then we oh, have contradictions it's... with other people, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I've, got to, I've got to say, like, 
one of the messages that I really want to often portray on this podcast is just because you're practicing stoicism doesn't mean that you have to take all of the fun out of life. <laughs> like yeah. you can be a fan of a sports team, right? You, I, I really feel like that's, that's one of those things that potentially turns a lot of people away from stoicism. It's this idea that, that, that essentially no other way of, well, I mean, you could even say that that's borderline bordering on the thought process that Masonis Rufus had of like a, the perfect stoic is a farmer or something like that. It's like, well, yeah. I, I mean, there are many good stoic people or people who at least practice stoicism, if you put it like that, who are, you know, fans of sports teams or love a particular kind of music, but don't like the other kinds of music or, you know, it's, it's like, it, yeah, people, people get on me about that. Cause I'm a big, uh, classic metal head as well, you know, <laughs> and you know, metal does appeal to the, the, uh, emotions like like anger excitement mm. and stuff like that in non-rational ways so yeah if you, know, you go back and, to the idea of of accordance with nature it's like we mm-hmm. all have our own human nature as well we don't know what has led us to being yeah. interested in particular subjects or in particular fields or in particular careers we just there's it's like you have nature that essentially i've been thinking about this lately nature creates us culture mm-hmm in some ways shapes us philosophy in some ways guides us right and so there's those those three kind of elements there of yeah. you don't know what those combinations do together but essentially you know it's it's like would you say to me that being a musician isn't in line with stoicism because of of this this and this but but that's just what i'm naturally drawn to right i i would i would be willing to say that there's some ways of being a musician that would would be out of sync with stoicism <laughs> yeah so, absolutely yeah yeah you know if you think about like the traditional hedonistic i need to have lots of groupies mm-hmm. uh i'm gonna yep. get totally drunk drunk on stage and and you know uh fall off or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. you know the old rock and roll lifestyle okay that's yeah. that's probably incompatible right yeah but um, as long as you're aligning with your personal nature whilst also uh practicing that rationality as we've talked about and practicing yeah. the stoic the stoic virtues it's like so you, let's talk about yeah. virtues that's i yeah, think that's a good that, segue definitely. so we've talked so, about nature we've talked about uh essentially yeah impressions and, impressions yeah. and yeah awesome okay so let's let's jump into it let's jump into virtue so the stoics weren't the only people to talk about four main virtues the platonists did that as well and even the mm. epicureans did that these are kind of well recognized in ancient times mm. and so vir- virtue is like you pointed out before it's a way of being excellent and mm. there's there's the excellence of I don't know like here I've got a cable right it's mm-hmm. excellent if if it, the signal goes through the cable and I don't I yeah. don't run into any problems with it but that's about it uh, or this water bottle is mm-hmm. excellent if uh, I guess it holds water and doesn't poison me or yeah. anything along you know those lines but but we are we are excellent in much more complex ways mm. and so um, dividing it into four main categories um there's there's justifications for why why those four virtues and each of the four virtues should be thought of as not just like one single thing but like a bundle because Mm. that's that's the way that they discuss them when they they get a chance so justice doesn't just include um giving everybody what what's fair for them or you know if i make a promise to you fulfilling that promice it Mm. also includes what the stoics called um uh, 
beneficence or kindness. Hmm. So, you know, <clears throat> seeing the, the old lady who needs help with her bags um, in the grocery store and taking it out to her car, that's, that's an act of justice. It's, and you're not hmm. doing it just because she's, she's owed that. You're doing something extra because that's also part of hmm. justice. So justice has to do with like this whole interpersonal realm, um, giving, you know, doing, doing things that reflect our social nature, the Stoics would say. And then there's, <clears throat> there's um, temperance, which has to do with our bodies and all the different things that we either find pleasant or find um, unpleasant and would like to avoid. Mm. So... You know, if you think about um, going to the dentist, for example, a lot of people dread going to the dentist, mm -hmm. including myself, mm -hmm. uh, in part from having bad experiences. <laughs> um, getting getting your, your body to the, to the chair and, like, sitting there and letting them mess around with your mouth, that might be an act of temperance. Mm -hmm. It might also be an act of courage, too. Yeah. Um, over, overcoming fear, <laughs> that yeah. sort of thing. But, it, you know, it, it's important for you, for the health of your body, Um there's, there's all sorts of other things like, you know, we, we usually think about temperance in terms of like not eating too much or, you know, not eating the, the wrong sorts of foods or not, not, you know, indulging too much in intoxicants. Mm. Um, but you can also be intemperate in, in ways that seem to be healthy. You know, you think about, so it was, it's kind of funny. I, I, um, on the street this morning as I was walking the dog, there was one of those, you know, supplements that the, the uh, weightlifters like to take. Mm -hmm. uh, there was there was like a can of it, totally empty on the ground on a city street, and I was like, "Well, who the hell like consumes this stuff on a Saturday night you know, <laughs> downtown of Milwaukee?" Right, <laughs> and, and so I actually posted a little joking thing about that on on Twitter, uh -huh. and I said that it was probably some you know some juice had weightlifters and people yeah. kind of weighed in about that. Um, they, you know, they can be intemperate in the ways that they devote themselves to the cultivation of the body. Mm, yeah. um, you know, a lot of them are driven by by um, sort of what the Stoics would call a sort of mistaken priorities. You know, yeah. Uh, just oh, as you much can as you the, can definitely see oh, in pretty much every every career path or every industry or every mm. interest there are people who take it way too far <laughs> and yeah. if, if you yeah. look at some of the people well, and, and, who and, and yeah for the wrong reasons is, mm. is you know yeah. usually when somebody's taking something too far you got to ask well why are they doing that what what yeah. are they getting out of it? yeah it's not just that well you, you went past a limit um mm. the stoic would say um it's important important to know what you're what you're trying to get out of it what what assumptions you have what judgments mm. you have about the world in part because then you can figure out well how do i get myself less screwed up yeah. so if you're if you're like i don't know let's say you're super into exercise because you have a um terrible fear of death and you think that by exercising a lot you're going to stave it off mm. um just telling yourself, okay, you're going to do less exercise, that'll just make you more anxious. Mm, so yeah. you have to approach that fear of death and, and figure that out. Or it could mm. be, I need to be super attractive or uh, my life isn't going to be any good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And you want to look at that instead. Well, I mean, like coming from the fitness industry, like I can tell you that, yeah, oh, some yeah. people don't. Some people don't take it far enough. Some people take it way too far. <laughs> and and it's it's always... 
interesting to see that when you do take it too far, it has actually negative consequences on your health. It's like, you know, yeah. I was I was, even, I was considering this year because one of the one of the aspects of of what I'm going to be doing now is showing people how to use stoicism to essentially set good goals and then to oh. achieve those goals, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I was thinking, cool, what would I do in my life? You know, and there was a period there where I was like, I'm going to do a male physique competition and the reason i want to do that was to essentially learn about my body to get to Mm -hmm. a good body fat percentage and to see if i could come to a certain point in my body where it's like the ideal but then you know a couple of my friends who are also in the industry they're kind of like "Mm, i don't know man it's like it's very unhealthy and that made me think about it. it's like yeah it's a lot of what they do in these competitions is actually very unhealthy for the body long term it's like depriving yourself of, of of water for a certain amount of times um, you know, e- eating very specific calorie, um, uh, calorie budgets essentially so that you can get to like the lowest b- possible body fat percentage and, and what, yeah, what yeah. you, and, and the, I don't see that there's anything necessarily wrong with doing a physique competition. I think it's awesome that people want to get to that stage, but, but it's like, first ask the question, why are you doing it? Um, you know, then ask the question, is it, is it really healthy for me? You know, cause there might be a point along the way to getting to that competition where it's actually, it tips over and it stops becoming healthy for you. And now it's unhealthy in the long term, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. That, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And I, I think mm-hmm. the other question is you got to ask at each point, how am I doing it? You know, in That's what it. manner, <clears throat> you know? Um, and so sometimes that can be framed in terms of too much or too little, mm. but the motivation matters. Um, yeah. Even like the, the time that you're doing things, you know, um, mm. you could also say, what are you sacrificing in order to do that? Like if, if you have to sacrifice, oh, so you're, you're married, I'm, I'm married, right? Mm. If, if you're, if you're sacrificing your marriage in order to attain, I don't know, physical attractiveness goals, let's call it, mm. that's, that's a really mistaken set of priorities, right? Mm. But there are people who do that sort of thing. Mm, definitely. Uh, yeah. So, so temperance is, is important. And temperance also has to do with like, um, the whole realm of sexuality, you know, um, this is an area I think where maybe the, the ancient Stoics were a bit, you know, we would consider them rather prudish. I, I don't think that they're, they're, um, you know, attacks on adultery or anything, mm-hmm. um, aren't still relevant today, but Mm. You, you see a lot of things like Epictetus, you know, for example, thinking that a man has to have a beard in order to be a man and mm. all of that. So, so some of that we might want to put aside or say we need to rethink that in terms of our contemporary culture. Mm. But well, it might even the, be a matter of saying like, okay, no matter what you're doing, make sure that it doesn't take away from your ability yes. to think virtuously and to think rationally. Like it, it, yeah. as long as it doesn't take away from your ability to do that. Um, then you should be somewhat okay, <laughs> you might you might say. Yeah, and there's and there's probably a lot of ways that people justify to themselves that if they looked at closely, they'd be like, yeah, actually, this is bad for me. I, I shouldn't yeah. I shouldn't do this sort of thing. Yeah, not that it's intrinsically bad by itself, but it's it's bad for them. Yeah, and um, so so that would fall under temperance as well, mm. eating and drinking. You know. Um, this is a big problem here in America. Um, you know, we have, we have so many people who, who are obese, um, or at least overweight, you know, myself included, although I'm trying, (laughs) trying to to change that. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of it has to do with, um, 
how easy it is to to consume. Mm. Um, we've we've got so much crappy food readily yeah. available to us, and so you know, temperance would 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 suggest again prioritizing what's what's good for us and mm. then there's courage um and a lot of people tend to think of courage as just having to do with fear but the stoics saw it as dealing with all the emotions mm. so being able to keep your anger in check is a matter of courage for them so it's it's in a broader sense than just mm. just uh what we typically think of as bravery um but we do have to we do have to like force ourselves to do the right thing a lot of the yeah. time, and that's where that's where fortitude or courage comes in as a virtue. Mm. Um, if I might jump in there for a second, yeah, I was recently listening to Jordan Peterson talking about how uh, how his kid would tantrum when he was younger, and he, yeah. one thing that he mentioned there, which really stuck out to me, he was like, firstly, if you saw somebody in their forties acting like a two year old when they were tantruming, <laughs> you would be horrified. You'd have to be 30 feet away. You wouldn't want to be anywhere near them. Right. Because it's a horrifying thing yeah, to witness. Yeah. You know, they just turn red in the face. They're furious. And also he said something that stuck out to me, which was that it's no fun to have a temper tantrum. And often when you look at a kid and they're tantruming, you think, well, that's just a sport. Like, but, but they're overtaken by something like something deeply crazy is going on in their mind. Right. And it's no fun for them whatsoever. But, but, but essentially what I'm hearing from you is, is, is it's like courage is being able to overcome that darker side of ourselves sometimes that pops up and to be like, okay, well, well, no, like I know that I'm feeling this, but I need to act in this specific way. And that's essentially when you see the kid finally calming down yeah. and saying, cool, I'm now willing to be an active participant in a good society and, and, and be a kind, you know, a kind child, essentially. It's like, it's, it's, it's not, I don't know exactly how to describe this, but it seems to me as if courage is also overcoming those, those darker sides of us that just pop up from time to time. Yeah. It's, it's about, um, being able to maintain and to impose self-control and it doesn't it doesn't always have to be like you know doing violence to oneself in in a psychological way Mm. i mean sometimes it could be just a nice steady flow that's that's well integrated um and and, you know it also does apply to other emotions too like not not allowing so good example of this the stoics were kind of kind of mixed on the subject of grief um, mm. some of the Stoics said grief is always a, a bad thing. <clears throat> um, Epictetus said you can, you can grieve with your neighbor who's lost a kid, but don't groan inwardly. So don't, don't, you know, mm. you can, you can exhibit the social things. Seneca is a bit more, um, open to the idea of yeah. grief, but he still thinks it has to be rational. You know, mm. um, you, you don't. Go, you don't like, you know, tear your clothing apart and yeah. you know, rip your, your your hair out and um, that that sort of thing. And so courage would be needed in order to, like, help pull yourself out of, uh, say, a well of depression. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of times we don't have these virtues to the degree that we need them. But the Stoics thought that the seeds of virtue are within us. So mm. if, if we, if we kind of, if we try, right, we'll often find more strength within ourselves and then we can build upon that. We can turn mm. that into, to a habit. Mm. 
So mm. exercise is a great example, right? When people yeah. first go to the gym, it sucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you work out and you're sore and, you know, then, you know, you, you scheduled you're going to go back in two days and, and you start finding excuses. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you, you do it for a week and it, it, you're still sore after workouts. And then, mm. you know, after you've done it for a couple months, it becomes it becomes much more uh, easy to do. You'll still probably mm. have some, if you're my age, your joints will hurt and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, things like that, but um, it's not as bad. And then, well, and then eventually it gets to the point where it becomes kind of natural to you. Mm. And, 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 and I think that the analogy of the seed is actually really, really important. It's like, it, it doesn't happen mm. overnight. You don't plant a seed and then tomorrow you have a giant tree. Um, and so that, that, that's why when I, yeah. you know, when, when, when I, people go to the greenhouse, right. And yeah. they buy themselves giant trees that they can stick in their yard. Yeah. That's like yeah. people, that's like people like thinking a pill or a self-help book will suddenly give yeah. them the, the habits they need to do well and in life. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Greg, like the amount of times that I've told my wife, like, listen, if you think you're going to change my opinion about this immediately, just don't like, like give me six months. Like, let me, let me build on this. Cause I, I have changed in so many ways in my life over the past 10 years, over my whole life. But yeah. It's happened gradually. And when you look back at it, you're like, wow. And, and so what I tell everybody who comes into the gym, I'm like, listen, if you've never been in here before, just don't worry about coming like don't come in here saying oh i'm going to come like six days a week i'm going to do two hour workouts <laughs> stop it you're messing yourself yeah, yeah. up and you're not giving yourself the time that you need right i even tell some people if all you do is come into the gym and spend five minutes talking to me and then you leave at least you've built the habit of coming to the gym and you can say that oh, i went to the gym today i had yeah, a good conversation yeah. and then the next time you come in you talk to me for five minutes then you jump on the treadmill for five and so you build it slowly over time. And I think it's, I'm, I really want to get this into people's heads that this is what stoicism is about as well. It's like over time you can fix yourself, but don't think that it's going to happen quickly because you're a very complicated creature. And, and you know, that's, and, that's actually yeah. a really great point. And in, in our local stoic meetup that we have here in, in Milwaukee, we always have like newcomers coming in and they, you know, mm. they read this or that and they're going to try something out. And I'll, I'll tell them over and over again, you're going to fail a lot. Um, yeah. And I, I'm still failing a lot myself. But, um, the, you know, like anything at the beginning of it, you fail a ton. If you think of mm. you brought up a musical instrument, think about learning to play the guitar and putting your fingers in these weird positions. Mm. Um, most of the time, what you do sounds like, like, like crap, you know. And mm. then after a while, you start to be able to do a scale and you get better at it and you still screw up. But now when you screw up, you've, you've figured out, okay, the song doesn't have to stop here. I can jump right back in. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it works that way with exercise and it works that way with, with, with sports and it works that way with cognitive things as well. Yeah. We, we, you know, the Stoics write as if, most of the time, as if, you know, you just do this thing. Yeah. Um, and I think we probably need more reinforcement uh, and support, you know, just the kind of people that we are today um, and, and hearing, oh, it's okay if you screw up. Just don't let that be where you're going to stay. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I really like that. And and that's so true. It's what you tell everybody who you're trying to help to become a better person. It's like, yeah, you're going to yeah. mess up every single time. Pretty pretty much. And and I, I hate that I keep on coming back to Jordan Peterson. I'm sorry, but like I've, I've been listening a lot. But, but one of the best things that he says is that 
pretty much nothing that you do in your life will ever be right. Well, like no matter what decision that you make, it's probably going to be wrong in some ways, right? But as long as you are constantly trying to perfect and tr constantly trying to figure out ways that you can navigate that to make it right, it's like, yeah. how do we even know that the career choices that we make in our life are the best possible career choices for us in the long term? We don't. But as humans, oh, we just jump yeah. into it and we perfect along the way. You know, it's it's that. Yeah, that, that's what I'd say about that. Yeah, I often tell my, my, my students in ethics classes that a lot of ethics is actually figuring out how to fix things after they've been either you yeah. screwed them up or somebody else screwed them up, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. Rather than just like having the ideal system that then you impose and never never make a mistake with your choices. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the people who are the people who are lucky and don't make a lot of mistakes uh -huh. early on, they're probably at a disadvantage, right? Because mm. then when the, the mistakes do come, they're they're not as resilient in, in dealing yeah. with them. And they're very fixed, and um, I I actually my my favorite metaphor for this is is to do with jazz right so i'm a jazz musician i improvise Ooh. a lot and i think it's actually it's a, there's this great quote i can't remember who it's from i need to figure it out because i say it all the time but this guy essentially said that um jazz is essentially at its core uh a series of miraculous recoveries <laughs> in that you know <laughs> oh, when, when, I, yeah. when i'm improvising yeah. um I will make mistakes all the time, right? All the time yeah. there's mistakes. But the beauty of jazz is turning that mistake into something that's beautiful, something that actually makes sense. And so you would even see this with people like Miles Davis. Um, my, my friend, uh, a pianist, just recently told me the story of Herbie Hancock, this jazz pianist uh, playing with Miles Davis. And Herbie Hancock really respected Miles Davis. And he, he actually, while they were playing one of Miles's most famous tunes, Kind of Blue... Uh, he, mm -hmm. he essentially played the wrong chord in the progression, but in, and he, he froze. He was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? But then Miles yeah. Davis actually started playing the notes of Herbie's chord and made it okay. something that was beautiful and right and perfect. Right. And what yeah. that taught Herbie was like, wow. Okay. Like if you're a real musician, you take something that's imperfect and you make it perfect in the moment because you have that ability. And it's almost as if that's a, an analogy for our rationality as well. It's like nothing in life is perfect. Yeah. But what we are able to do is take something that's imperfect, transform it into something that is is right and virtuous if if we can think through it, if that kind of makes sense. That does. And, and so we need, you know, like not necessarily hard and fast rules for that, but like some mm. sort of criteria that helps us determine that. So that's that's mm. where I think you could say the fourth virtue, prudence or practical mm. wisdom yeah. comes in. And, and the Stoics, you know, they thought that that one essentially governs the other virtues. And, and again, you know, it's not something we possess entirely, but it's something that we have to try to to work on and, and recognize mm. and build within ourselves. And, and, and what's interesting is that, so the Stoics thought that um, we human beings because of our rational nature, <clears throat> we're, we're drawn to uh, things like truth for its own sake. We value mm. it. We, we don't like being deceived. Mm. Um, we, we like figuring things out. And so you've got all of this stuff going on, and then that comes into our practical life and helps mm. us be... You know, no, even the people who are screwed up, well, that's everyone, really. Uh, mm. But I, I mean, people who are really, really off the track... 
they they don't want to think that they're they're somehow doing the wrong thing, mm. and and um, that's because of a, this 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 drive. We want to be able to make sense out of things, even if we have to distort the whole world to 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 make it fit. Mm. Um, so stoicism helps us to do less and less of that, and yeah. to again going back to the in accordance with nature to be able to see reality for what it is and and say, wow, I'm really out of sync with it. I need to, mm. <laughs> need to yeah. fix this, fix this, and fix this, or I need yeah. to reinforce this. That's that's actually quite good. Um, or I need to be more like this person over here who I see as less of a screw up than, than myself. Mm, yeah. So I, I actually have, have thought that that that's such an important part of the aligning with nature kind of uh, philosophy there. It's, it's like hmm. uh, align yourself with the truth of the world, which is available to us. It's just, you've, you've really got to, you've really got yeah. to stop lying to yourself. And, and I think like, that some people okay so yeah we we don't like to lie to ourselves but some people we don't like living, to be revealed to lie that's to it that's it that's it and so <laughs> and so if you think about it like when you're lying to yourself that lie usually manifests itself before you make an excuse for something it's like yeah it, 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 it's like well um you know i'm I don't even know how to how to explain this. It's like, oh, should I go? I'll go back to this analogy again. Should I go to the gym today? Just before you come up with an excuse, you will have the answer in your head. Yes, you should go to the gym today, and you have time to go to the gym today, right? Okay. And you'll think about that, but then immediately after that, you'll be like, oh, well, you know what? Like, I've got a lot of stuff that I need to do and you'll become busy. Like, you'll become so busy <laughs> that you have, it's like the amount of busy tasks that we will do as human beings in order to avoid the truth of the situation <laughs> is unbelievable, right? And it know, might you know actually else, be a key to productivity. <laughs> it's, do you know it's, who else really struggles with that sort of thing? Writers. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, because exactly. if, if you write, you often work from home mm. and then suddenly you, you, you realize that the kitchen needs to be reorganized or laundry needs to be done or wouldn't it be nice if the place was tidied up better or I should probably make some, some cookies or something yeah. like that. So you get all these other <laughs> things and then you can also lose yourself in doing research, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and research can often be rabbit holes and then, oh, the day's gone and it's not really worth it to try to write for half an hour. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll do it again in the morning. And, yeah. and people like never finish their writing projects because of that. I'm telling you, Greg, you're speaking to so many of us right now. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, well, I could have, I could have I released a hundred podcast too. episodes between now and last week, you know, <laughs> but, but it's like, it's just so, so much gets in the way in terms of our own minds. It's like, yeah, yeah. It, it really is. It, that's why people talk about so much, like stop being busy, you know, start being productive. There's a big difference. Um, but uh, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. So, so we've, we've gone through, we've gone through temperance, justice, courage, prudence. Um, and, and so yeah, that's kind of the, living in accordance with nature. Uh, you know, nature. I don't think yep. we're going to get to all of the, ideas. I know there's so much to talk about, but, but that's okay. So, so let's yeah. talk about, um, something that's come up quite a bit in this, um, that I think we can, we can certainly get some mileage out of and then maybe a few other ones. Definitely. Uh, you know, we've talked about emotions, and the Stoics mm. have a let's call it a generalized theory of emotions. They never yeah. put it into one book. Although, interestingly, some of the lost Stoic literature would have done that. So we know mm. that that like um, 
I think Zeno wrote a book, Peripathe, on the emotions. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they wrote books on specific emotions. We don't. We don't have those. We we do have like Seneca has has a book on anger, which is quite good. Um, and then we've got all these scattered discussions and mm. references to the Stoics in in other authors who aren't necessarily Stoic themselves, like Cicero or Plutarch or Galen. But the, the Stoics did have a, a really nice theory of emotions. Um, and actually, I, I'm going to make a book recommendation, too. Somebody who's done great work on this in recent years is Margaret Graver. Mm. She's got that book, Stoicism and Emotion, where she mm. goes, yeah, goes through the Yeah, I need to get her text. on. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's, 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 she's really great. And the book is, is excellent as well. And she even points out where the Stoic account doesn't quite accommodate something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, she's not sort of like a party line person, which, yeah, which is quite yeah. nice. But the Stoics thought that um, we have these responses that we, we, we typically call emotions or feelings. Mm. And they, you know, we often in our own culture, this is where I think Stoicism is particularly helpful to us. We often act as if, well, they just happen to us and we can't really do anything about them mm. um, other than maybe like stuff them down. So if I'm feeling... Uh, mad, I can like, you know, pretend I'm not mad and, and then, you know, maybe it'll get better. Or if I'm feeling sad, I just kind of like, you know, reject that and put on a happy face. And none of that actually works. Yeah. Same thing with anxiety or fear. Um, I just won't let it get to me. Well, that, Mm. that's, that's not effective. Yeah. So, um, the stomach said every emotion has some cognitive components to it. It always includes judgments about about things, about mm. you know, ourselves, the, the world, other people. So we, we tend to perceive things, they use this framework where it was in terms of perceiving things as good or bad, mm. rightly or wrongly. You know, oftentimes our, our judgments about whether something is good or bad are actually off base. And then whether it's present or whether it's um, not on the scene but could be happening to us in the future. So if you think about fear and the whole modality of, of things that fall under fear, mm. um, that's perceiving something as bad and it's not yet here. Whereas yeah. perceiving it as bad and it's here, that's that's pain or disturbance. Mm. And there's a lot of different sorts of that. And then there's there's desire, which is for something that we think is good. If we if we see something as good, we desire it. That's that's the nature mm. of, of our our being. Um, and there's a lot of different kinds of desire. Like anger can be understood as a desire for revenge. Um, mm. You know, sexual desire. There's desire for food. There's all sorts of things. Desire for you know we call ambition the desire for social status. Mm. And then there's um, you know something that we can call um, hopefulness or um, you know that would fit in there as well. And the Stoics were kind of down on on that. And then when something is good, or at least we think it's good, and we're experiencing it, we feel pleasure or joy or mm. you know all sorts of things in those modalities. And so there's the actual like feeling that we have, and then there's the actions that sometimes come from it. Like if you're sad, you cry. Or if you're angry, you mm. shake. Um, if you desire something, you try to go get it. Mm. And then there's the thoughts that are going with it. And we don't, we can't really do that much directly about the feeling. We can do some things about the actions, but we can do a lot when it comes to the thoughts if we realize yeah. that we're thinking them. 
And so the Stoics devoted a lot of analysis, essentially, to figure out how do these emotions work. Hmm. And they, they didn't reject emotion altogether. They thought that there were, there were um, good emotional states, which they called the upathai. Um, the ear just means good and, or well, hmm. and pathai you know, is, is coming from pathos. Uh, feeling or emotion, something we undergo. So those included things like uh, rational fear, what's mm. called caution. So you know, if um, I don't know, like like uh, Skype, you know, goes in and out every once in a while. I'm I'm actually surprised that we haven't had any any issues uh, since you know we're we're doing these these uh, chats across uh, the Pacific. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's often amazing. When I'm talk- <laughs> yeah, but often when I'm talking with Australian clients, there'll be a little bit of lag or something yeah. like that. I can have a rational concern about that. Yeah. If I if I allow that to increase to the extent that it like keeps me from being able to articulate what I need to say well, yeah. there's a problem, right? Mm. So it's not fear itself that's a problem. It's it's whether it, it's rational or not. Mm. Likewise, desire, you know. Um, a prime example, you know, being married, right? Um, mm-hmm. Musonius Rufus talks about this. He often gets brought up by by conservative Christians because he says, well, the purpose of marriage is having children. But then almost immediately after that, he says, and it's also to produce intimacy with your spouse and mm-hmm. get to know them and friendship and all that. And how do you do that? Through what we call, you know, in, in older times, conjugal love, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you could just like uh, live somewhere else, and your spouse can live somewhere else, and you meet for coffee, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sharing sharing a household and and being attracted to each other is an important part of marriage. Mm. Uh, and the Stoics thought that that was that was really you know really central. Being attracted to everybody you see, well, that's a problem. Right? Yeah. That's no longer yeah. rational. Um, and, and, you know, the, here's a good sort of jumping off point. If you think about our, our contemporary culture, which continually throws um, sexy images in front of us, it's probably tougher in our day um, to have a, a good emotional comportment um, when it comes to sexual desire than it was, say, in ancient, ancient Rome or Greece, depending on, you know, how, how powerful you were. I mean, if you're powerful... Mm do whatever you want with your, your servants or slaves. Um, but if you're an ordinary Joe, you know, <laughs> you, you really had to confine yourself. So mm. we, may be, we may be at a real disadvantage when it comes to the proper development of our, our emotional capacities. Same thing with anger. You know, we, you know, we, we, we don't give anybody much... Um, understanding of how to deal with their their natural um, desire for retaliation or revenge or rectification uh, unless they cross certain lines and then we send them to anger management counseling mm. right which is usually based on CBT which is coming out of some stoic stuff yeah. but by then it's usually too late you know um, we we live in a society that tells us we should we should you know the, the phrase clap back somebody says something bad to you you should make sure you say something yeah. to them um, yeah. so you know the stoics thought that dealing with the emotions properly and and guiding them towards sort of rational amounts or expressions for for joy for caution for desire um, that would that would be really central to living a good life. Um, mm. Without that, 
you can't really be happy. And so you can understand the virtues as ways in which you you, you try to um, deal with the emotions, among other things. Mm. They have to be actions, but but emotions is also part of it. And again, it, it it's not something that happens overnight. You know, this is something that. Mm. You, you can't just become a calm, collected Buddha, <laughs> you know, after yeah, yeah. one evening of stoicism. Like um, these these emotions are, even Seneca said, you know, some emotions are so ingrained in us as human beings that to not feel them would be inhuman. You know, it's like, and, yeah. and, and I think what we know about uh, our emotions and the responses to those emotions these days, it's like you could even talk about courage and what they've learned about being brave it's not necessarily the absence of being afraid it's the presence of being brave and so you can make yourself a braver person which will help you to deal with the onslaught of fear that we all feel from from time to time um and and i think it's the same with everything else it's like coming back to this idea that I, i kind of think about often it's like a negotiation between the part of you that you really can't control in the moment and the yeah. part of you that can teach yourself over time to control that part. Because <clears throat> yeah. even though you might be a naturally very angry person, over 10 or 20 years, it's amazing what you could probably achieve in terms of getting yourself to be naturally more one way or the other. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a long span. Even even yeah. three years, you can do so much if you apply oh, yeah. yourself within that, yeah. that, that time. Mm. It might be some of these things, um, I guess we could say that what we now know about like brain development with with kids, you know, where it takes up to about 25 before everything is fully, fully Mm. baked, let's say, in the the wetware of our, 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 uh, you know, our brains. Which is more um, than enough time, everybody. (laughs) It's more than enough time. It's like. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) we, we probably have to be a little bit more we have to be more optimistic about what adults in their late 20s can do th- yeah. than about what say teenagers can do yeah. but we can still give them a good basis for mm. um, well i'm just ticking over so give me some hope here like <laughs> you know like oh, are you? I'm, I'm i'm 20 am i 26 i can't i can't remember whether i'm 25 well, or 26 done. yeah that's it like you, you can't just be like well cool that's who i am for the rest of my life and i think a lot of people interpret it like that right but it's like no we're we're actually very malleable if if you if you think in the way that these stoics can teach us to think it's like take some time i mean think yeah uh, that's that's a good way to think of it is you stoicism like the other virtue ethics that are out there and other Mm -hmm. philosophies of life is about transforming the self using the self as as the the lens and the tool uh, that works upon itself. Mm. And that's one of the really cool things about it. You know, I mean, so I mentioned before that Epictetus talks about this this idea of proiresis, a faculty of choice. Mm. And it's not like we can just choose anything whatsoever because our faculty of choice, which he says is what we are. It's, a, it's, we're, we're, it's who we are at our core. Mm. Um, he says that it can determine itself. So when, when we decide, hey, I'm going to take a, a pause here, we are stopping our normal habitual processes and thought patterns that otherwise would be kicking in immediately and leading mm. us to get mad or sad or you know fearful or something like that and probably respond right away too with, mm. with uh, catchphrases that we, we have um, or lines of reasoning that, that go on beyond that. Um, we, 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 we pause that and then we, can, we have a little bit of freedom 
where we can say, ah, I'm going to do this instead of this. Hmm. And over time, that that freedom expands. Yeah, it's yeah. never to the point where we're like, you know, gods who are totally omnipotent and can do anything whatsoever we like. But, you know, we can we can at least not get in our own way. Mm. Yeah, no, that <laughs> makes make, make that makes perfect miserable. sense. And I yeah. love the analogy of being able to to expand that freedom because that's exactly what I'm talking about with the yeah like negotiate with your emotions and and look mm-hmm. right now you might only have a little bit of favor in that negotiation at the moment you've, okay you've got you've got not much power but but over time you can really gain the upper hand and and give yourself yeah. a lot more freedom than what you have right now. You know. That's a good metaphor too, because the other side to it is when when you know the person that you're negotiating with, and you know their strengths and weaknesses, you know how far they're willing to go. That mm. gives you way more power. So by by you know know by understanding the emotions, by say reading um, um, Seneca's on anger and and looking at his analysis of how anger actually works, mm. you now can sit across the table from anger. And anger will be, you know, ah, I'm going to do this. And you're like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But, but then you, if, you're, if you're at the start of your negotiation and, and you've only just learned about stoicism, yeah, all yeah. you might have is to be able to say, okay, well, I'm going to let you do half of that, but half of it, let's not do that, right? <laughs> and then you shake on that and you say, cool, okay, I'll give you half, you give me half. But then over time, it's like, well, can you give me, uh, maybe you can do a third today. I'll take two thirds. You know, it, 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 it takes time, but. Yeah, that's, that's a good way know. to put it. Um, yeah. That I think could be actually be developed into, you know, like a little essay. That, that, mm. that might be an interesting thing to, to write down and might be quite useful for people. I'll, I'll definitely um, get on to an episode about it and, and potentially, yeah, even an essay or something like that. But, but th- you know, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have these kinds of conversations. It's to, to, to really not only just go straight in like this is what stoicism is, but also, yeah. you know, how can, we, how can we talk about stoicism in a way that, that helps people to visualize how it can be possible in their life? You know, it's like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. That, that is important. And, and, and you know. That's where um, role models can sometimes be helpful and can sometimes mm. be uh, an impediment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they'll say, well, th- consider your actions from the point of view of the sage. You know, what would Marcus say about what you're doing? Or what would Socrates mm. say? And, you know, when you put it like that, it's sort of like, you know, the, the old fashioned God is watching you all the time. Yeah. Uh, you dirty whatever you're doing right it, it's it's not it doesn't actually help a lot of people mm. to say that sort of thing i think it, it's it's uh probably more helpful to say look they they were able to accomplish some things and they didn't rate themselves all that highly you look at what epictetus mm. says about himself or marcus yeah. says about themselves yeah seneca too mm. um if and if, if those schmucks can do it then then we probably can make some progress as well epictetus mm. actually has a passage where he says um socrates did such and such and such am i going to be socrates no i'm not going to be socrates but that doesn't mm. mean i can't like make a bit of progress but then we need we need a lot of role models that are closer to ourselves in place and time mm. um you know I, I like epictetus a lot i can kind of relate to him i don't imagine too many other people can Mm, um, yeah. 
So I think I think it's it's useful to have a lot of other people that we can look to and sort of on a continuum. Some of them have to be like living people that we can actually hear or connect with. Um, that's why these local stoic groups can be so so helpful for those who mm. can participate in them. Yeah. Um, well, it could even be one kind of connection that I see that you're drawing there. It's like get a role model that is as close to you as possible in that it allows you to understand. So Marcus Aurelius doesn't know you, how you think, doesn't know the time period that you're living in, doesn't know the culture that you're living in, the family situation that you're living in. And so really all he can do is he's got his writings and so you can interpret Mm -hmm. those, but, but it's essentially like saying, okay, what would this stranger who knows nothing about me think about what I'm doing right now? It's like, it's impossible, but even that could even open up another interpretation of what Seneca said when he was saying, you know, well, Zeno said this, but what do you say? Zeno said that, but Mm -hmm. what do you say? It could even be, you know, what do you say about yourself? Like, okay, forget about what everybody else would say. If you're truly aligning with truth and virtue and trying to think rationally, what yeah. do you say about your own actions? And if you look at it like that, it'll be pretty easy for a lot of people to think pretty poorly about the things that they're doing or the way that they're acting if they actually genuinely ask the question, what do I think about how I'm living my life right now? If that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if that's then, a fully formed idea, I mean, but it's there. <laughs> the, the, the key then would, would be so that they don't then just get depressed and they're like, oh, screw it. I may as well just like, you know, drink as much as possible and, yeah, you know, yeah. do nothing. Um, but but rather so that they can come out of that and have some, you know, some place to go. Um, mm. well, well, that's I, why I think you're right. It's far but, more effective to be in a stoic meetup group as opposed to saying, well, what would Marcus Aurelius say? It's because you can see people who. Yeah aren't necessarily rulers of nations and uh, the perfect (laughs) philosophical emperor, but you can see somebody who might be two weeks ahead of you and already they're seeing positive changes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And And so it's it's more tangible to you. That, the, the, the analogy between that and exercise is I think pretty strong as well, right? Mm. Um, You go into the gym and you see people who've been, lifting weights for 10 years and mm. you're like well crap i'm never gonna look like that yeah because you know, wow. it's 10 years they, away they, they put the pin at the very bottom of the thing and i, yeah, I yeah. only like do two plates <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very difficult to, to to relate to but you see somebody yeah. else who's you know they're they're doing what they can do and um they don't have a perfect body and mm. they're they're still you know persevering mm. um that can be much more um, inspiring. And that, that's what's so beautiful about Seneca's uh, statement that he's not necessarily a teacher to Lucilius. He's more yeah. of one patient getting better. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talking to another patient who's getting yeah. better. It's like, I'm not that much far ahead of you. And he says that so many times. And that's one of the reasons I love Seneca. He, he's so imperfect in so many ways, but he doesn't slide over that. Like, he literally says it so many times. I'm just another person trying to get better, trying to get through this world. Um, yeah. And as long as you don't use that to rationalize still being <laughs> imperfect, <laughs> which he probably did, um, then, then you know, there's not much of a problem there. It's like, you know, we're all imperfect. So just look at somebody who's a little bit better than you and say, cool, I can get there, you know? 
Yeah, and you can always ask them, how did you get there, too? Yeah, you know? yeah. And and in a way, that's that's what we're doing here. You know, it's just having a conversation about stoicism and trying to figure out how we can how we can all get there in some way. <laughs> yeah. Guess. Well, let's let's talk about one other idea. Yeah, we probably have time for one one more if we. Uh, so uh, there's there's a number of them. I, I put like a, a sort of like best hits list on on my yes, computer. That's what but I need. <laughs> probably the one that would be the best to talk about would be the dichotomy of control because so, that. so many yeah. people, Oh yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. many people get, I think get into it and they, they say, Oh, stoicism, basically this is the, the one central idea. It's mm. interesting because it's, it's not formulated explicitly until Epictetus. So it, it's mm. kind of late, okay. but, but it is, it's there in Cicero to some degree and it's there in Seneca to some degree. It's just mm. not, not framed as such. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, I think a lot of people they 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 read about that, and I know my students often have very strong reactions. Uh, sometimes the reactions are, "Well, this is bullshit," you know. <laughs> uh, what do you mean this isn't in my control, right? Yeah. And so, if you think about if you think about like finances, all right, we don't control the global economy. Um, you know, if if things tank tomorrow in the stock market there's nothing i can do about my my retirement portfolio um the you know jobs come and go that that's that's all true and mm. the older you get the, and, and the more that you're established as like a householder the more expenses there are that just come mm. out of nowhere kid needs this or that or the car breaks down or whatever mm. right um but then people say are are you saying that I can't like choose whether I save money or spend it foolishly? Mm-hmm. And Epictetus would say, no, no, you can you can choose that. It's just there's no guarantee, you know. Yeah. If you do, you know, a great great example of this is is uh, the current debate about student loan debt. Mm-hmm. People are like, listen, I paid off my student loan debt. Why should we pay off anybody else's student loan mm-hmm. debt? You know, I did the right thing. You know, uh, I don't I don't you know I I. Are you just saying screw screw you to me? You know, and people did this with the housing crisis here in America mm. too, where they paid off their mortgages, and you know, it's it's it, these things are not really in our control. You can, mm. you can do your best at them, but you know, things can still go haywire. And then people, you know, they'll they'll say, well, what about my reputation? It's the same thing with that as well. You know, obviously, if you go and and post racist screeds on Twitter. Uh, you know, people are probably going to respond to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's going to destroy your your reputation. Although you'll make another kind of reputation with the racists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if somebody else could could like say that you did something and and you get tarred with it, and that's that's it. Or you do something yeah. stupid, like that woman who made the uh, terrible joke about AIDS in Africa when she was flying to yeah. uh, Africa. And got off the plane and found that everyone in the world hated her now, you know? Yeah, it's uh, a rough flight. That's really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, when she was fired too, you know? Um, yeah. And, and so people say, okay, I, I get that. What about the body, though? Mm. You know, that seems more in our control. Mm. And, you know, like, do, do you exercise? Do you eat proper, you know, uh, nutritious food? Or do you, mm. you know, have Burger King all the time? Um, those things seem to be in our control. But there's, you know... There's so Everything many things is that blurry. Everything is is yes, but or yeah. yes, and you know it's like we we do we do. Re- 
I mean, just if you look at what a human does, we really like to be very one way about everything yeah, that yeah. we think, right? But nothing is only one way. Um, and, and people people like to think that things are in their control because it it puts anxiety at, at yeah. Them. So if I think to so you know I'm overweight, right? And and I I uh, I exercise regularly. Um, because of my schedule, I mostly just could get to do the weight circuit and not the cardio that I should be doing. Mm. And I could I could tell myself, well, I'm going to exercise six days a week, all the weeks from from now until next Christmas. Mm. It's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But if I if I if I pretend that it's in my control, mm. then I don't have to feel anxious about well, crap. If I don't lose this weight, you know. I'm shortening my lifespan. I'm yeah. not going to be there for my kids. Listen, Greg, so you're not I'm, doing too bad. Don't be too hard on yourself, all right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to be realistic, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. But, but so um, I think a lot of people want m- much more control than they, they actually have. And recognizing mm. the things that aren't in our control can be liberating. Mm. It doesn't mean that we don't do what we ought to do. Epictetus says that we can we don't control these things, but we do control our responses to them. Yeah. So you know, I, I do control whether I try to make it to the gym. I might try to get to the gym and traffic is too bad. Mm. You know, or yeah. all the machines are down. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Whatever. Right. Uh, I'm sick. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I I I've got the flu. And a lot uh, but, of but this can, is to do with nature, right? It's like align yourself yeah. with nature in a way that you understand that you can't control so much of like, what else would you call the busy hive of humanity and cities and, 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 you know, cyclones and bad weather and like everything yeah. that is happening around us that we can't control. That's nature, right? And so by aligning That's with right. nature, yeah, yeah. you're essentially saying, I'm not going to do I'm not going to try to do anything that I definitely cannot do because nature has made it otherwise. As in, as in, oh, yeah. how, do, how do I put this? Yeah. Um, You're not going to be unrealistic about, about that's what it. can actually happen. Um, so, you know, and that would, that would lead to some things like when it comes to finances, you probably would avoid get rich quick schemes because they yeah. never actually work. Right. Yeah. Um, but now then there's what's in our control. And Epictetus says our our thoughts and mm. our judgments and our, you know, decisions about what we're gonna do, you know, what we prioritize, what we what we don't prioritize. Mm. Our emotions to to a significant dark extent are in our control. Now he doesn't think that you can just like snap your fingers and not be upset. Mm. But he does think that you can, you know, you can work on your habits and you can over time, like you were saying, you, you, you know, the negotiation thing, if, if today you give anger half of what it wants because you can't just say no to it, mm. um, maybe over time you can, you can get to the point where it no longer demands quite so much from you. Mm. And so these things are in our control and you could say our general attitude, our general way of ordering our lives is something in our control. Mm. Yeah. And that's very liberating. Um, you know, realizing that we, we have a stake in it, that we're not just puppets of fate or mm. chance or our genetics um, or, you know, malign forces. Mm. Um, I think that that's very helpful to people. And, and I think that what you're touching on there is one of the core reasons why Stoicism is having such a um, resurgence in today's society 
I don't want to open up another can of worms, but like <laughs> I, I, I see that there's right now there's a really important debate happening, and the debate is between the the Campion Society that believes that the fastest way to change the world is by changing the top organizations down oh, yeah, to yeah, the individual. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like my life would be so much better and so much different, uh, so different if everything else would change, right? Yeah. But then there's the side that says, well, no, 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 no. Change happens at the individual level. And that's very much aligned with stoicism. It's like, if you want to change the world where you start is with the the closest thing that you can control, which is your own thoughts, and then turn yeah, that I- into a, a good life. And then that turn that into... and. And so it's almost as if start with yourself, then take care of your family, take care of your community, take care of the world. You know, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. a bottom-up and, and, approach. And I, I, I was gonna, you know, object as you were saying that because the Stoics weren't just, you know, like pure individualists. They, mm. they, they thought we're part of our, our social nature is that we are connected with everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but, but you, you, you know, just trying to change things politically or in terms of like, we'll have a new model for the economy or something like that. Um, that just leaves a whole bunch of other people who are still as screwed up as they were um, within a, a new framework. Mm. So, and, and you, the other thing I'll say too is, if you're going to do stoicism, you can't actually expect anybody anybody else to be a stoic, yeah. right? So even or to be any that, way that, that you are. think that they should be, right? Like yeah. you can't yeah. expect anybody to just I mean, fit in. You, yeah. you, you can, but you're setting yourself up for being yeah. upset, right? Yeah. Um, so you can't in the normative sense, but you can in, mm. in the, the other sense. Um, and, and I think a lot of people get discouraged when they first get into stoicism because they're like, okay, I'm now a stoic cause I, I read some stuff and this sounds good yeah. and I'm going to like fix my life. Yeah. And man, I've been like, you know, listening to these, these meditations and that's working for me and I'm journaling. And then they run into somebody else at work who they made the mistake of telling them that they they're doing stoicism. That person acts like a jerk to them and they're like, yeah. why, why are you behaving this way? Well, because they're like everybody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like everybody else. You know, yeah. It's so the true. Other it's mistake, like, yeah. yeah the other mistake people make is is thinking that because they're Stoics, their kids ought to be Stoics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, I, I, you know, I guess it is something that, um, you know, might even be aligned. I'm sure that you could look at everybody who, practices stoicism at the moment and you could probably find some very similar personality traits amongst all Mm -hmm. of them that just leads you to maybe being somebody who would think in this sort of way and and that's why a lot of people say well it just makes sense to me you know it's it's yeah yeah maybe there's a very specific combination of personality traits that (laughs) yeah that that makes it more likely that you would be interested in this kind of way of thinking but, Maybe, um, and it might also be like uh, for I think a lot of people it has to do with life stage. You know, mm. um, there's there's points where you become more reflective. Oftentimes, it's because of a crisis. You know, mm. like you get get a divorce or you lose your job or something like that, and you're looking for a kind of meaning to things, and you also start looking at yourself more closely, and you're like, man, there's some stuff I really need to fix here. Because yeah. um, I'm not, I'm not happy like I thought I was, um, and I think stoicism. And again, it doesn't have to necessarily be stoicism. There's other approaches as well that can mm. be quite helpful. Um, but that's that's when there's an opening for yeah 
for doing that sort of thing. Again, it's just like with, with exercise, right? When, when people come to the gym, you can probably see that some of them are not going to come back again, whatever they happen to say about how mm. they're going to like change their life and all that, yeah. especially after, right, right after New Year's, you know? I've become um, very good at being able to tell that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, um, it, you know, it's, it's true. Like you've really got... You know, I, I had a conversation with one guy who came into the gym recently and he was kind of like, you know, well, yeah, I'll, I'll get the flexible membership, you know, just because I, I want to see how motivated I am. And, and I said, look, I'll stop you there. If that's what you're coming into it like, don't just don't get a membership. You're going to end up paying for two months. You're going to cancel. You're going to be sour because you didn't get motivated. Oh, yeah. Come into it thinking, listen. If I get long-term results, that's going to require a long-term approach from the start. You know, I'm not going to see how motivated I am. I'm going to go in and and actually put in the effort to see the results first, right? And I would say the same to anybody in stoicism. Don't come into this thinking, oh, I'll see how I go over the next month, see if it changes my life. Listen, come into (laughs) it with the view from the start that you're going to learn the principles and not just learn them, but learning has to be mixed with action and practice. Otherwise, you don't learn. Um, and you know, that's why so many people are getting so much value out of this philosophy is because when you put it into practice, it gets results and you start to see changes. Um, and that's, what's so beautiful about any kind of learning, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's quite true. And I I would add that it's, I I don't think the ancient Stoics said enough about this, but I, I really do think it's important to connect up with other people Mm. whenever you can, Mm. who, um, view things similarly, who can support you and mm. you can bounce ideas off of. Um, I think they kind of took it for granted. You know, Epictetus was teaching mm. in his own schools. Um, yeah. Marcus was, I mean, he was the emperor. Mm. Um, Seneca was in high office and had plenty of, of contacts as well. Um, the rest of us ordinary people, we we really do need other people to, sometimes for accountability, sometimes mm. to give us insights, um, sometimes just to, uh, get us back on track. Yeah. And that might be a good place to, uh, to kind of end it up here. And I want to finish on the story because, because you mentioned, um, you know, be around people who can support you. Not only that people who can challenge you when they feel Mm -hmm. that you're genuinely not in the right spot. And, and, you know, I, I have to come back to this, right? I hope People who can call me. you on your BS. Right? That's it. That's it. And, you know, yeah. so that's one reason why I really was excited to have you on the show. And I really appreciate the person who you are because uh, I sent an email, just a backstory. I sent an email out to oh, everybody, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in the Stoic community. So, so a lot of um, a lot of Stoic intellectuals um, and philosophers and basically just said, listen, guys, I want to have you back on the show and I want to, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. I was very excited, you know, very excited about stoicism and trying to find out, you know, what is the sage and, and, and can we spread this around? The... And you I'm kind of came back in cold, cold water. On that. That's it. And it was, and it was beautiful. And, and you know what, Wait, then you sent an email back to me basically saying, well, yes. And well, no, no, yes, no, yes, no. And, and essentially, um, trying to challenge me in a way and and it was it was really refreshing it's always refreshing to uh here's the way i'd put it i genuinely feel like we're moving into a 
an age now where people are genuinely excited and desperate to hear other people call them out on their bullshit. <laughs> oh um, yeah, okay. It, that, it, that's it, an interesting it, idea. It, yeah, it's it's and and I see this over and over again when I when I tell people, listen, you have the ability to think much better than what you're thinking right now. So yeah. why don't you start trying, right? And and I think that's the because we've been sold this lie for so long of of like we've we've been marketed to for so long. Yeah, yeah. And and behind every marketing message is a catch. Um and we've been sold the lie of like life is all about happiness and buying this car and buying this house and everything and we're finally at that stage I think where people are starting to wake up to that that life isn't about that. And we're also waking up to the fact that we can think in so much more effective ways than what we have always done. And when somebody says to you, well, you're probably right there, but you really need to think about what you're saying right there. It's refreshing because not enough people call us out. Um, yeah. And so I, I really appreciate that you're that kind of person who, you, you know, you, you, you know, you respond to an email with your pure honesty and aligned with what you think is true. And I think that's awesome. And, and, and yeah, Greg, I will have I'm, I'll talk to you after the episode, but I would love to have sure. you back on as many times as possible, just because I think we want to we want to try and get as much information out of your mind as possible, because you do have such a wealth of knowledge about this philosophy and many philosophies. But Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate oh, you're, it. You're very welcome. All right. So there you have it. My interview with none other than Gregory B. Sadler. Now, uh, again, so grateful that he came on the show, spent that time with us, and he's already expressed interest in coming back and doing another episode. So we want to have him here as many times as possible. So if you enjoyed the show, make sure you reach out to Greg. Let him know that you enjoyed it. Let him know how much you got out of it. Um, and also make sure you head to the links in the show notes. As I said at the start of the episode, you can head to his YouTube channel, you can head to Reason.io, his company, uh, you can head to his podcast, his blog. So make sure you go out there, show Greg some love and support. Uh, and again, let him know how much you enjoyed this episode because I sure did as well. And on that note, I'll talk to you next time. But until then, I hope that this episode has helped you on your rise to the good life. Ciao. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practical Stoic Podcast. If you'd like to stay up to date with the Practical Stoic community and everything to do with this podcast, then just go to my website, simonjedrew.com and subscribe to the Practical Stoic Weekly, a newsletter that I send out every week with updates and all sorts of great Stoic insights. You can also find me everywhere online by searching Simon J. E. Drew. See you next time.